0: As you move into your older and wiser years, you may have questions about your finances, your health, or what to do for fun besides watching young people try to figure life out.
1: Oh,
2: man, this guy's a moron.
0: The next hour is dedicated to you.
2: Only the good die young.
0: This is 50 Plus. Cause women never age and old school will always be cool. 50 Plus, brought to you by the UT Health Consortium on Aging. Informed decisions for a healthier, happier life. Here's Doug Pike. All right, welcome again to 50 Plus. Thank you for listening. I certainly
2: do appreciate it. I'll confess that I yelled at some people on the freeway Thursday morning. Took me an hour and 42 minutes to make a trip that on weekends, when I come in here to do the outdoors show, outdoors and golf show that I do over on KBME, that same trip takes about 20 minutes max. That's all it takes, but it took me an hour and 40-something minutes on Thursday. So here we go. I I appreciate you listening. I know it's a choice, and uh, I'm glad you remember to flip the radio on for me. This week, I'll leave with great news regarding Generation Z. The 16 to 25-year-olds, according to a recently released study worldwide, 3,400 Gen Zers, almost a third of them, believe that theirs is the hardest-working generation ever. And more, they see millennials as the second-hardest-working generation. And more than half of them, 56%, see what's being called the silent generation. That's people 79 to 94. I don't know what that means to be called that. Uh, They see that generation 79 to 94, the least hard-working generation of all time. Maybe that's because they weren't alive when those super seniors were fighting wars to maintain the freedoms that allow those people to say what they say. Building the infrastructure of this country or, or raising those Gen Z people's parents and grandparents. This study, by the way, covered a dozen countries. It's not just us. It's worldwide. And if you weren't laughing already, get this. A third of that same bunch, the self-proclaimed hardest working generation ever, Despite most of them having only worked six or seven years since they got out of school, they also say that there are actions their employers might take that they would find absolutely intolerable, like being asked to work when they didn't want to. Or, oh, I just can't imagine the horror if they were asked to work back to back shifts once or twice. No way. I wonder how many of their parents, if they're from single-parent homes, and there's plenty of those in this country now, I wonder how many of their parents would feel the same way about working back-to-back shifts when they were in there trying to take care of their children, working really, really hard and wishing they didn't have to, trying to keep food on the tables. Fewer than half these young people credit their educations, by the way, for preparing them to work. One in four say they're not equipped to handle negotiation, networking, or resolving work conflicts, but more than half feel perfectly well-equipped to work on a team, hit deadlines, and work with customers. What? No. All this from the group that averages a job change every couple of years. It's a changing world, to be sure. And, and before we come down too hard on these young people, let's not forget how we looked at seniors when we were their ages, okay? In truth, I suspect we'd see a A fairly similar response if the survey were done on any of the most recent three defined generations, none of which came up closely enough after a a long-term war or a, a deep economic depression for it to have impacted their families. And they see through different colored glasses than a lot of us do. In truth, I hope they are the hardest working generation ever because they got a lot of work ahead of them to earn enough money to pay enough taxes to keep social security afloat work hard gen z work very hard moving forward i've got what i think is another good lineup for the day we're going to kick it off with a segment on multitasking which isn't defined like you probably think it is and however you define it it does get more difficult there's more studies as we continue to age yet another little treat that comes with those extra birthdays right From there, we'll have a return visit with a man whose company can make your slippery floors or pool deck or bathtub not slippery. I interviewed him a while back, but we ran out of time before we covered all the ground I wanted to cover. So he's coming back on for a few minutes. John Petrie's his name. And with grandkids coming over to visit this summer, maybe running through your house or around your pool or across your garage, I thought it might be a good time to show you a way to keep them a little safer. And finally, to wrap up, we'll talk to Mary Beth Bassett. From the Galveston Beaches CVB, that's a fine organization. Some of the projects underway on the island to lure you and your families down there this summer. Beach restoration in one area. Big plans for that little lagoon on the east end where the island meets the ship channel. If you haven't been to Galveston in a while, uh, you might want to take a look. You owe it to yourself and your, and your family to pay the island a visit this summer, I would say. As a surfer and a fisherman, there weren't too many days in my young adulthood when I couldn't justify a run to the beach. I even surfed during a few hurricanes growing up. I surfed in the winter. Winter surf can be amazing here. But back then, we had to wear really heavy wetsuits. At least the wetsuits are a little bit easier to deal with now. You don't feel like you're, like you're getting a, a physical workout, an upper body workout, except for the paddling these days. Back then... Uh, Just standing on it and trying to raise your arms over your head was a workout in itself. If I recall correctly, the crystal ball into which meteorologists look to predict hurricanes shows a more or less average year of activity on this side of the world. Uh, This past week's thunderstorms were the remnants of something that tried to form but didn't, despite the meteorologists' fingers crossed that it would. We've seen enough. We've seen Allison. We've seen Ike. Most recently, Harvey. I used to get worked up during these things. Uh, That's all it did was upset me. Wasn't really worth getting worked up. I'm as prepared as I can be, as are my wife and son. We'll ride out a little one. We'll go north of a big one. If you like the beach and you remember the flagship hotel and the fishing pier that came with it, you're in the right place. This is 50 Plus. There's more ahead. Stick around.
0: Aged to perfection. This is 50 Plus with Doug Pike. If everybody had a notion across the USA, then everybody... All right, welcome back to
2: 50-plus. How about those young folks, huh? full third of them think they're the hardest working generation ever. Another third find it intolerable to be told they have to work when they don't want to. Mm -mm -mm. Meanwhile, for our generation, we're going to talk in this segment about multitasking with Cameron Jeter. She's a PhD from UT Health. Appreciate that, Cameron. Thank you very much.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: You also, I, I, I kind of glossed over your introduction here, a member of UT Health Consortium on Aging, researcher from UT Health School of Dentistry, who studies oral health, movement disorders, and lucky for us, multitasking. Thank you again. So, as a, as a researcher, how do you define multitasking?
3: Well, let me start with, I think, how most of us define multitasking and how the researcher does. Mm -hmm. So just as the word implies, multitasking means simultaneously performing multiple tasks. But even though we might say we can chew gum and walk at the same time, uh, task switching is a better name for it, Mm -hmm. meaning that our mind is rapidly switching between tasks. You can't watch TV and surf the web and be catching everything at the same time.
2: Certainly not. Yeah, the brain brain can do a lot of miraculous things, but two things at once is uh, even too much really to ask a lot of computers to do, is it not?
3: Yes. Uh, So the brain often gets compared to a computer, but Mm -hmm. I think it is far more rich and beautiful than what a computer can do.
2: Well, I would have to agree with you on that, as a matter of fact, and I'm glad you've made the observation for us. So I I think I already know the answer to this next question, and and I really don't want to hear it, but why does mental juggling get tougher as we get older?
3: Exactly. Well, as our Uh, age progresses, we unfortunately decline in our multitasking abilities because brains of older Americans have trouble switching between these two tasks or maybe three tasks we're trying to do at the same time. If you think about it, you're paying attention to task number one. You might get interrupted by the phone call and when you try to switch back to task number one, if you're lucky enough to remember you were doing task number one, you can't quite remember where you left off.
2: Oh, gosh, yes, I do understand all that. It's very difficult. And research showing clearly that younger minds can switch back and forth more quickly from task to task. Do we know why that is? Is there any physical evidence of what's making that possible and not for them and not for us?
3: Yes, we call it being uh, cognitively flexible, that the younger brain is able to switch between what I was indicating as attention on the first task and the memory to hold in mind, the working memory of where we were. And as we age, it just takes more brain areas to make that switch. It's a brain area called the prefrontal cortex that in studies of brain imaging has shown that as we age, that part of the brain has to help out a
2: little more. Yeah, my, my guess, based on study evolution a little bit, is that the younger mind has got to absorb more information more quickly in order, if things go well, to actually someday reach seniority. So, uh, for example, if a young gazelle doesn't learn to run when it, it's eating grass, and if it doesn't learn to run when it smells a lion while it's eating grass, it'll never be an old gazelle, will it? It will get cut off, exactly. Yes, indeed. indeed. And talk about some of the things that seniors might be trying to do at once that might better be done Separately,
3: I think this is a good question, because I would think everyone would agree that older Americans are juggling what they've always juggled. It's not like you wake up one morning and say, wow, I'm getting old, I better not juggle all my tasks. Mm-hmm. So just like all of us, uh, older Americans are watching the news while cooking.
4: Okay. Or
3: maybe we're gathering belongings to leave the house, but at the same time we're mentally planning the day. Right. Or maybe we're trying to talk on the cell phone while we try to cross the street.
2: Or, or while driving. all you mm-hmm. have to you just, If you look at four cars, at least one person is on their phone, no matter where you are in this city. It drives me crazy. It really does. And uh, maybe or maybe not, I've done it once or twice, but I've... Kind of come to the conclusion that it's best just to put the thing down, turn it face down, and see what you missed when you get 10 10 minutes down the road.
3: And I think what's pretty cool about research studies of late is they're actually trying to simulate real-world happenings to Mm -hmm. understand how this multitasking ability may diminish as we age. For example, one research study had younger uh, Americans and then at a different time older Americans come to a staged uh, college apartment okay. and they had a variety of tasks to complete. Gather the different recipe items you need for a picnic lunch and put them in the picnic basket. Right. Know that you're going to catch the bus to meet your friend mm-hmm. for this picnic and so you got to figure out which bus line to take and what the fare oh, is, etc. At the end, everyone, every participant, young or old, was able to accurately complete the jobs. But for those who were older, as we might guess, it took them longer to complete the tasks, and they were less efficient, roaming around the apartment to find all the items (laughs) that they needed before leaving the house.
2: Well, they had to go back for their false teeth, too. No, That's (laughs) not fair. It's not a fair study. Golly. So so let's talk about how that's measured, too, because I presume they're putting little um, contact points on the brains and putting a little rubber cap on you and following you around?
3: Exactly, and it depends by research study. There was mm-hmm. another research study that was imaging the brain, so in okay. a sense looking where the blood flow is going to different parts of the mm-hmm. brain so we know which brain area is in use. And this one was actually having participants visit on a cell phone While walking on a treadmill and in virtual reality, watching uh, cars come and go on a busy street, trying to determine wind across the street. Oh, my goodness. And they compared this to conditions when you might just have earbuds in your ear listening to music or neither a phone nor music. And as you might guess, everybody was worse at crossing the street when they were on their cell phone. (laughs) But older Americans, particularly, were worse at it. And what was, I think, important is this. This isn't just kind of a funny everyday topic, but it also impacts your risk of falling.
2: Absolutely, it does.
3: So in this study, they classified the older Americans as those who were at risk of falling and those who were not yet at risk of falling. Mm -hmm. Those not yet at risk of falling did pretty well crossing the street on the phone. But those at risk of falling by various measures, uh, they were getting squished by the virtual car. Oh, gosh, it's, it's,
2: yeah. it's, it's not just crossing the street. It's even just walking down. Uh, a neighborhood sidewalk, if there are trees big enough to move a little bit of that sidewalk concrete, you might just bump into one of those, trip and fall, and bust your mouth wide open. And
3: I think that's what catches us all by surprise, Mm -hmm. is things that once were automatic are no longer such automatic tasks.
2: And we're not so quick to adjust. If I bumped my foot on on a piece of sidewalk that was irregular for some reason 20 years ago... Boom. The other foot compensates. We we don't fall. But now maybe not so quick.
3: And that's why we need to I mean no one can say, I know I'm gonna start falling when I turn seventy five, so oh, I'm gonna take no. precautions when I'm seventy <laughs> yeah. four.
2: No, that doesn't work that way, does it? No. And as as a as a as a grumpy old man, I'll tell you I might tell you it's possible. My wife and I were talking about this last night to, to listen to her and to a ball game on TV at the same time. But <laughs> maybe it's just that my brain may or may not actually be hearing them both simultaneously.
3: Yeah. And so which um, one do you
2: choose to tune out? Batter up. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. She might maybe. listen to this. I don't know. Are, are there mental health exercises that actually improve brain function?
3: Well, I would say largely no. Now, why we can do tasks that try to improve that task that we're practicing, it's not going to transfer to other areas of life. And so probably the best way to prevent succumbing to accidents due to multitasking is just stick to one thing at a time, mm-hmm. even when you might be confident. So you got to shut off the phone uh, ringer if you're really needing to focus on reading, shut the door, and you can even have your family members or children remind you and keep you accountable Mom, now's not the time to do two and three things at once. And if that conversation is difficult, uh, the kids and friends can couch it as a way to show that they want their parent to remain independent.
2: Dr. Cameron Jeter on 50 Plus here. What role, if any, does sleep play in our ability to juggle thoughts?
3: Sleep is definitely important. It's mm-hmm. what helps us kind of, what the fancy word is, consolidate yeah. things that have happened throughout the day. In a sense, sleep is helping us replay the events of the day and hang on to what was important and let go what wasn't.
2: Almost got hit by a car while talking on the phone while crossing the street. Yeah. And we're just going to compartmentalize some of that and hope it do- goes away. What about stress? Is that the same thing? You just got to manage that? Yeah.
3: Yes, because I think stress is actually uh, pulling our cognitive reserves to Mm -hmm. be thinking and stewing over those things that are worrying us, and uh, it causes us to have less attention and focus on the task at hand.
2: Cameron Jeter on 50 Plus. In the material I got for this interview, I saw that the research at UC San Francisco suggested if we're trying to get something done, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be distracted at all. Is that probably the best advice, just one at a time for seniors?
3: I would say one at a time is always the wisest and help others keep you accountable.
2: All right. Thank you so much for your time again today. I do appreciate that, as always. Always a delight. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh-huh. All right. We're going to shut down the multitasking thing, and I'm going to focus on one thing, which is getting us to the next (coughs) segment. Hope we didn't pay a whole lot for this study, by the way. The takeaway message, one at a time. Okay. Thank you, Cameron Jeter. Next, making slick floors not slick on 50+. plus.
0: What's life without a nap? I suggest you go to bed and sleep it off. Just wait until after the show's over. Back to Doug Pike as 50 Plus continues. All right, welcome back to 50 Plus. Thank you for listening. Certainly
2: do appreciate that. Thanks to Cameron Jeter, Ph.D., for enlightening us about multitasking. Not everybody can be a juggler of tennis balls or chainsaws or... Or brain tasks I suppose I'll welcome now to the show uh, a man from whom we've heard before John Petrie from not slippery when wet I'll push that button and take care of that business thanks for your time here John
4: oh thank you appreciate being on again
2: you bet man we sort of ran out of time a couple of months ago before we got to some things I wanted to discuss and, and we'll get to them for sure but but first let's let's start with a refresher if you will of exactly what it is you do.
4: Okay, over the not super wet. We treat all types of natural stone surfaces, uh, polished concrete, uh, brush concrete, ceramic tile, clay tile, porcelain tile. Any type of natural stone surfaces make them slip resistant under wet conditions.
2: Simple enough, huh? And, and la- last time we talked, we talked about why it's a good idea to treat those tile floors and tubs and showers for us seniors, kitchens, the garage. And- God, when one of us goes down, there's a fair chance we'll break a hip. And I already know the odds of surviving more than a year after that happens, and they're not good. So let's not dwell on ourselves for a minute. Let's get into maybe some of the other good reasons to treat those slick areas, which would be our children and grandchildren. Summertime visits are coming up, aren't they?
4: That's correct. We have a lot of people out by the pool. A lot of times the pools are set up with uh, ceramic or porcelain tile. So what we do is we treat those pool decks, make sure that they uh, continue to be safe for the children and grandchildren uh, all the time.
2: Yeah, the kids are excited. They're running around the pool. They run into the house wet. That's something else a lot of people don't think about. The kids come flying into the house, and they're 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 out of the pool, and they're soaking wet, and they hit that tile floor, and down they go.
4: That's correct. Yeah, yeah. a lot of times we do entryways, and, and sometimes uh, people are glad to find out that when we treat the floor, it doesn't uh, make a change to the way it looks, only when it's wet that you can feel the difference. So sometimes we'll just do the first 10 or 15 feet of the entryway, and some of these homes uh, have tile floor throughout the entire first floor. But what we'll do is we'll just do the first uh, 10 or 15 feet into the house if they like, and that way that area when they're rushing in out of the, out of the weather, sometimes yeah. it's raining, they're trying to get in the door real quick, they don't lose their grip on the floor uh, on that section. And, and that then the may... rest of it will look exactly the same. So people won't know the difference between what's been treated, what has what has been treated, what hasn't been treated, but it just makes it safer trying to get in out of the weather for sure. Yeah. And especially when you have the kids coming in out of the pool, they're running in to get something to eat.
2: Sure. Yeah. By the <laughs> so. time you get in and it... – coming in from a rain like that all you want to do is get out of the rain and then get out of those wet shoes and clothes or whatever yeah i understand it and kids kids aren't likely to break a hip i know but i'd bet the next set of front teeth that gets knocked out from a fall won't be the first
4: well, usually what we've seen in the past over the years is a lot of times, like I said, it's the teeth or it's the, even worse is the head injuries, and they slip backwards. Oh, gosh. Backwards. Yeah, slip, that's bad. They so move out from, back, uh, out from underneath them, and they hit their head. So mm-hmm. you want to try to reduce any of those type of incidents as, as, as much as possible.
2: Boy, you used to talk about head injuries. Now you got me starting to think about bicycle helmets, too, and that's for another, another discussion altogether. I see so many parents riding bicycles with no helmet, and then their kids have the helmets on, and if they go down and hit a curb with that head, the whole family's affected. That's that's bad, man. So that,
4: that's true. That is we'll true. Just
2: skip that. And let's be honest: even a skin knee can ruin a, a perfectly good trip to grandma or grandpa's house. It doesn't have to be some catastrophic injury.
4: No, it doesn't. And, and like I said, it's just a matter. Of just want to. Increase the safety all the way around. It doesn't yeah. matter what the injury could be. You don't want any injuries at all, if, if at all possible.
2: Isn't that the truth? John Petrie from Not Slippery When Wet. I mentioned the garage a few minutes ago and, and want to go back there for a second. Garage floors can get wet for all sorts of reasons. It really it does make sense to treat them because they're when those garage floors are poured, they're typically a very slick concrete. They don't get any kind of secondary treatment. That stuff's just allowed to dry. To uh, It's like a skating rink when it's wet.
4: Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so sometimes what happens is uh, they'll do the garage, like I said, they won't treat it in any kind of way. They don't even brush it like they would some of the other yeah. areas or the sidewalk. So like I said, it'll be a smooth surface, but we can treat those so that way if, if you track water in off your tires, you're coming in the garage out of the rain, water comes in with your tires, you don't want to have that be a hazard for you uh, slipping and falling. So we just, we treat the, the garage floor surface and that, Thats away with that problem.
2: Yeah, I know a lot of homes in this city back, especially like say from the seventies, probably through the mid eighties or even a little bit later. Uh, that laundry room is right off the back door, and that's another place that gets wet pretty quick, doesn't it? Yes, and
4: and usually they'll tend to have some type of ceramic or porcelain tile there. So those are small rooms, easy to treat, uh, you know, doesn't take a lot of time to do what we do. And the good thing about what we do is, as soon as we finish doing the treatment, you can walk on it immediately. It's not like some of these epoxy floors where you have to be off of it for 8 to 10 hours, or as soon as we finish, you can start using it immediately.
2: Uh, Yeah, I was just going to, you must have been reading my mind because that was the next question I wanted to ask you is how long it takes to do the job and then how long afterwards. So it's Zero. Once you're done, you're done, huh?
4: That is correct. Once we're done, wow. we're done. And and like I said, all the jobs for residential purposes come with a three-year warranty, and then the commercial jobs come with a two-year warranty only because you have an increased amount of floor traffic on those yeah, commercial.
2: Yeah. Heavier traffic. Sure. Let's let's go over to the commercial applications for a second. If I'm a business owner, the last thing I want for a customer or client to slip on my my pretty tile floor. Where where do they typically get the treatments done in a business? Most mostly
4: the entryways and the restrooms, and the reason they choose mm. the restrooms is because, uh, unfortunately, you know those areas get wet Truly constantly, do. as well as there's no cameras in there. So even when people really don't slip and fall, and they fake a slip and fall. That's where it tends to happen. So if you can put the treatment and you can show that you took extra measures to protect, because people put these yellow cones out and that does nothing for them as far as reducing their liability. Yeah. So if you can show that you've t- taken extra measures by having the floors treated for sip resistance, then that helps them as far as on reducing their liability, reducing the cost on any type of legal matters. Also, it's easier to prevent an accident than it yeah. is to recover from one, whether it's physically or financially. So yeah. businesses tend to uh, like to have those areas covered. And, and honestly, restaurants, it, you have the bar areas, you have coolers. We treat a lot of coolers because the cooler floors sweat. Sure. And so that's the real danger when people are rushing back into the cooler to get something. Well, we can treat those floors as well. As long as it's not frozen, it's just a cooler floor, we can we can do that concrete floor.
2: Yeah, Going back to that restroom thing and the the slip and fall in there, I think I hold my card about it, this floor being treated, until the person who slipped and falls tries to tell you that it was just slick as ice in there and they just couldn't keep their feet under them. And then I've been there. I've, I've
4: been there where you're standing there, you know, I hate to say it, but you're standing at the urinal and your feet are just sliding apart. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. There's there's no no grip whatsoever. So, yeah, Yeah. so we, we tend to do a lot of the restrooms for a lot of the restaurants.
2: Yeah, I know we covered this last time, John, but I do want to kind of reiterate the ability you have to treat showers and tubs because they can be some of the slickest places on earth
4: uh yes, we like I said, most of the showers will have uh if it's not a uh man made or acrylic type shower, it'll have some type of a tile floor mm-hmm. uh so whether it's porcelain or uh ceramic uh we'll we'll treat those showers and so the showers are something we do very quickly uh doesn't take a lot, and it's very inexpensive to do uh and then same thing if you have a porcelain bathtub, we don't tend to do the acrylic type tubs. There, there is a solution for that, but we don't do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people that have the steel tubs with the porcelain finish, we'll treat the bottoms of those tubs, and and the people just love it. You know, all they. All make right. the-
2: Thank you, John. I appreciate it. We're out of time again. Believe it or not, John Petrie, not slippery when Appreciate it, buddy. We'll go to the beach next with Mary Beth Bassett from the Galveston Island C V B. More fifty plus right after this.
0: When time stood still. They sure don't make them like they used to. That's why every few months we wash him, check his fluids, and spray on a fresh coat of wax. This is 50 Plus with Doug Pike.
2: All right, welcome back to 50 Plus. Thanks to John Petrie for an update on that not-slippery-when-wet product. The older I get, the more sense that kind of makes. As a coastal fisherman... And surfer. I am keenly interested in the Galveston beachfront and have been for about half a century. And yes, I am that old. Uh, Changes are being made. Very positive changes down there to that beachfront. And to explain, I'm going to welcome to the show like that Mary Beth Bassett from the Galveston Beaches Convention and Visitors Bureau. Welcome aboard, Mary Beth.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: I appreciate your time. Where are you just now in that $24.5 million beach restoration project out there west of 61st Street?
1: We are going to start it soon. We're getting some contracts um, finalized. We're choosing a dredging company, but um, we're getting everything together, and that should start
2: um, this month. Gonna move eight hundred thousand cubic yards of sand. Where are you getting the sand? You getting it from offshore, you getting it from dredge material? What's what's that coming from?
1: It's dredge material. Okay. You're absolutely right. So um every two years or so, the uh, US Army Corps of Engineers has to dredge the shipping channel right. to make room for the ships and they just normally dump it, you know, somewhere in the ocean. So right. we figured, hey, it might make more sense for you to just blow some of that sand up along our beachfront, and that's how we created that beach in the first place,
2: Bayes Beach. Yeah, there's really nothing wrong with that. Now, I understand that when the sand goes down, because it is that dredge material, it's been sitting down in the dark, basically, for Mm -hmm. a long time, it's going to be a little darker than the sand we're used to seeing, but that also it will lighten up once the sun kind of works its magic, right?
1: That's exactly what happens. It looks kind of gray and really Mm -hmm. wet when it comes out of the pipe. But sure. once it sits there for a few days, the sun kind of bleaches it out. It dries, and it's beautiful um, tan sand like we're used to.
2: Yeah, we're used to tan sand around here. We don't have to have the, the the black beaches of Hawaii or the white beaches of where, say, the Florida Panhandle. We know what Galveston is. And Galveston, if you if you've ever been down there on the right day, I, you know when when that blue water hit the beach last year, everybody made such a big deal out of it. I've seen that. Two dozen, three dozen times in my life, I don't know. And and good water, pretty water, a hundred times. It's not exactly. Al- yeah, it's not always yucky brown, is it?
1: No, and it and it all depends on the currents. Um, yeah, and of course. On the rain and the the rivers that oh, bring yeah. into the Gulf. Thanks, so.
2: Mississippi River.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Thanks. Yeah. yeah thanks for the <laughs> mud, Mississippi. <laughs> Golly. So, but it
1: is a sign of you know the greenish, brownish water is a total sign of a, a real healthy fishery. Oh,
2: I can so, assure you, it is. Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I've spent countless hours on that 91st Street Pier as a kid and a mm-hmm. teenager and a young adult. My friends and I were so fascinated by what we could potentially catch off that pier. We would spend the night and then stay an entire next day and maybe even spend the next night out there and just That's had a blast. Excellent. Oh, have yeah. you ever
1: fished at um Seawolf Park? That's I've another fished, great place. I have fished
2: yeah. everywhere. Awesome. Everywhere. Now and now you Mary Beth Bassett from Galveston Beaches C V B on 50 Plus, you brought up Seawolf Park. You're also working across from Seawolf Park over there at that lagoon. Let's talk about what you're doing there. I'm not familiar. That well, there's well, okay. Missy gave me Missy always, with whom you are familiar, gave me a piece of paper and said there's a some effort underway down that way toward the lagoon. Oh.
1: Lagoon. Yes, the East it's End, yes, of course. Yes, oh my gosh, yes. You scared me there um, for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, we um, it's a it's a 700 acre nature preserve, right? And um, and it overlooks the ship channel, yes, so it does. um, it's a really great position on the island. But it's mm-hmm. fabulous for nature enthusiasts. It's a great place for bird watchers. Oh, absolutely. And we just cut some ADA accessible trails that give you, you know, just a better view, a more comfortable way to. Um, be in the uh, preserve itself and there Wonderful. are plans to build an education pavilion so we, we got some grant money coming and we're going to um, even build uh, this open air pavilion which will make it more accessible to people and they can learn about the flora and the fauna and the marine life and the birds and everything that lives there so it's a, a, a preserve that that we intend to keep as a preserve um, and keep it from development, which makes it a really special place.
2: Yeah, way down there many, many years ago was where you bought your bait if you wanted to go out and fish the jetties. And it was, I'm talking a long, long time ago now, but that that little lagoon right there also had a lot of bait fish in it. And Mm -hmm. if you were handy with a cast net, you could catch yourself some finger mullet to take out there and really be somebody. I have a lot of history with that whole island, I can assure you I do. I'm very interested in this beachfront project. I'm going back to that for a second as a surfer and a fisherman because in the short term, I actually see a a good bit of benefit to fishermen who are willing to maybe sit up there on the seawall on a fairly clean day and study the wave patterns and and kind of figure out where the little guts are, where the cuts through the sandbars are. Because when they dump that dredge material, it's not going to be laid out like a like a concrete sidewalk or a driveway. There's going to be there's going to be deep spots, there's going to be shallow spots, and all of that little change in the bottom. Those little tiny anomalies are going to hold fish. Exactly. Yeah, and
1: it'll settle over time. Oh yeah. Like you said, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not just going to be you know um, look like a sidewalk. That's a great analogy, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it'll get blown onto the beachfront. It'll be really wide at first. And then the the water will do its work and it'll create a slope and yeah, it'll change things up, um, after it's all complete. It'd
2: be nice to have a lot more space for a lot more people to come visit your island. Wouldn't it?
1: Exactly. We would like that. And it also offers, um, storm surge protection, you know, for the properties that are um, behind the Mm -hmm. seawall. So it serves two big purposes.
2: How's Galveston doing these days, Mary Beth?
1: Galveston is doing great. Um, We're officially in our summer tourism season. We had a record number last year with 7.2 million folks visiting us. And, of course, there's more than the beach. There's great museums, historic sites, and awesome restaurants, the Grand Opera House. So much to do
2: here. There is indeed. I'm I'm still stuck on the beach myself, personally. Well, that's fine. Now, Missy said something about sandcastle building. Do you know yes. a about that?
1: Yes. So every Saturday at Stewart Beach, you can um, grab a bucket and a shovel. Um, and if you don't have it, uh, our instructor has some equipment. But sure. uh, we have a pro, a real sandcastle pro, who will teach you how to build those big sandcastles.
2: Yeah, more and than just maybe piling can, up a burial mound of sand.
1: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you can make an intricate Um, Just up your sandcastle game.
2: All right. I'm I'm shifting gears really quickly here, and I apologize for jumping all over the pages. But back to the East End Lagoon, I also saw something that said a paid fishing area. Are we talking about a pier for there, or do you know? They
1: are going to clean up. um, Like right now, it's it's slightly messy. They're going to
2: clean the area
1: up. Okay. And make good. It, uh, much more user friendly. So oh, that's okay. Something in the works. Yeah. Yeah,
2: user friendly is a big deal, especially when you're talking about. You've got to be talking about the channel rocks, the the, right. the granite boulders. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and if there's some way you can number one clean it up and number two keep it clean, that would yeah. and that would attract a lot of families because one of my biggest beefs about the Surfside and Quintana jetties is that they're real and I've talked to the people who run them and there's just no way to really police that and get trash cans all the way out there and then have them emptied so they just turn their backs on it and it's ugly sometimes i like what you i like your plans yeah, i really yeah. do because those We're will be really far more accessible yeah for maintenance that'll be that that jetty right there uh the the channel rocks will be far more accessible for maybe a cleanup crew to come in every now and then i like that a lot
1: exactly yeah
2: yeah, Galveston's really a special place for both my wife and me, and and increasingly for our son. Have you had blue water on the beach yet this year? And I don't mean to call it blue, because I know what it is, but just not that nice, pretty green water up on the beach yet this year? Yeah, when there's um, just
1: slight breezes that come from the Southeast. south, it's definitely oh, that know. green water. Mm-hmm.
2: I saw uh, when I was doing my outdoor show this past weekend, I was having to sit at that microphone and watch some of the cameras from Galveston and from Surfside and watch all the guys lined up in the surf. And some of them were catching fish and I wasn't there. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong oh, way. Oh, that's not cool. It. No, it was not <laughs> cool at all, Mary Beth. I can assure you. I can assure you. You know, if, if the Mississippi River ever dries up, we're going to see a whole lot more blue water. I'm that's still right. I'm blaming the, the Mississippi River.
1: And like like you said, it happens often, but it does not not too often during the summer. So I think the fact that it happened right after Memorial Day weekend got everyone excited.
2: So. Yeah, well, and they should be. Okay. And if they were to if they were to go down there a little more often and learn, what the, the fishermen know, uh, I can guarantee you, if I'm on that beachfront not with a surfboard in my hands, if I have a rod and reel in my hands, that mm-hmm. water is go- either going to be really green or kind of green. I don't go down there when it's off color. Because I'm a fisherman, and I know that the fish are going to eat when it's pretty. But right. if I'm building sandcastles or I'm going birding, it doesn't matter, really. It's still the Gulf of Mexico, and it's still a pretty place. It's still Oh, gosh. Already, James? Talk on it. <laughs> all right, Mary Beth. Thank you so much for your time. What's a good website to find out all about Galveston right now? Galveston.com. Oh, that it? That's easy. Yeah, that's pretty easy, huh? Even I can remember that. I don't even have to make a note to remember that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Mary Beth. That's Mary Beth Bassett from the Galveston Beaches CVB, galveston.com. Well, we're out of here. Holy cow, we're out of time. I'll be back next week. Hope you enjoyed it. Adios.